All right, so what are some of your favorite slogans that you've heard? Um, company slogans, business slogans. Can you think of any slogans? Like, uh, what's McDonald's slogan? What's that? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. All right, cool. Any other slogans? Just do it. Just do it. Who's that, Nike? Yeah. All right. Any other ones? Have it your way. Have it your way. All right. What's Kit Kats? Give me a break. Is that right? Or Snickers? Satisfied. All right, satisfied. And it's it's changed all over the place. Okay, so corporate America, in America, individuals, companies, they have a message. They they talk about messaging a lot in marketing. Like you want to have a message, you want to be consistent, you want to be clear, you want to be concise in the messaging that you bring. So the coloring of your logo needs to be consistent. The size, the proportions of your logo need to be consistent. That message, that brand, so that when people see it, they recognize it. If you see, watch, if I, I'm going to draw this in the air. I go, small circle, small circle, big circle. Mickey Mouse, which is associated with Disney. All right, so they've got a message, they've got a brand. I can draw three circles, and it's so ingrained in your brain, in the air, right, that... It's the message is Disney. The message is Mickey Mouse. The message is the happiest place on earth. And all of that, all of that, that the images and the feelings that that conjures up, that image conjures up, is exactly what Disney wants you to feel and remember. I was with a guy this weekend who's into CrossFit. Have you ever been around someone who is into CrossFit? They're super into CrossFit. Does everyone know what CrossFit is? No. CrossFit is like this intense exercise regimen that people do and they do it and they the more they vomit the prouder they are of themselves they just work super hard they do crazy things they flip tires they do pull-ups they do all these strength endurance things and so there's lots of memes on the internet joanna and i share them back and forth but if you you know crossfit the only rule of crossfit is that you have to talk about crossfit like that if, it, if someone's into crossfit they're going to talk about crossfit they're super passionate about it they're super they believe they're like superhumans. And they do, uh, and they are. They do crazy things and they work really hard. And so they're passionate about it. They talk about CrossFit. They hang out with people who talk about CrossFit. They do CrossFit. They go to watch CrossFit. They're just into CrossFit. And so this guy, he's planning a church in Portland. He's got a cool thing. He's got a missional community and all of them are into CrossFit. And so what they do as an extended family on mission is they start a CrossFit gym. And they have CrossFit. And they talk about CrossFit. And they talk about Jesus and CrossFit. So his message is CrossFit. And he's big. He's buff. And he looks like CrossFit. If there's four guys standing around um, water cooler, how do you tell which one is in, into CrossFit? Talking about CrossFit. Okay, so the message. Your message is tied to your passion. The message that you speak is going to be tied to your passions. And um, a company has a message and messaging because it's tied to certain values that they have, whether those are good or bad. They're tied to certain values that they have, and they want you to experience those values and to remember those values when you hear, and so they give you a message. Individuals have messages, right? They have um, values and passions, and they're going to talk about what they're passionate about. So I want to ask you, just pause for a moment, what is your message? What is the message that you, what are you talking about? What do the values that you have, what, what's revealed, the message that you speak about? What's the message that your life proclaims? What's the message 
um, that people, if they were to say, hey, I know Mike Platt, he's all about, it's not CrossFit, I don't think. I didn't catch that. But what is it? What's your passion? And what's the message connected to the passion? Jesus had a message. And it was connected to his passion. He had a brand, if you will. And we talked about it last week. We're, to, we're in a series called The Kingdom Is. The Kingdom Is, and the Kingdom Is last week, of supreme value, of unimaginable worth, right? He tells a story, he says, the kingdom of God is like a guy who goes into a field, this empty, barren field. He goes into a field, and he discovers a treasure. And he realizes this thing is worth more than anything he's ever built his life on, anything that he's saved. It's worth more than he's accumulated his whole entire life. And so what does he do? He covers up the treasure and he goes and he sells. He believes in this. He believes it's a value. He sells everything that he has. He liquidates everything that he had worked so hard to accumulate to this point. He sells it and he buys into this this value, this supremely valuable thing that he's discovered. He buys this field. It totally reorients his life. It reverses the course of his life. He does the, he, it turns his life upside down. What he was living for, what he was pursuing, what he was saving for was cashed out and invested in what he found to be of supreme value. So the kingdom of God is of supreme value. And today, the kingdom is the message of Jesus. The kingdom is the message of Jesus. The kingdom is the message of the scriptures. The kingdom of God is the message of the Hebrew scriptures. The kingdom of God is the message of the New Testament. The kingdom of God is the message of the early church. And you may not believe me, but we're going to do this together because it's something that's been lost in the church. We've, we have equated the gospel with something very a narrow slice of what the kingdom of God is. We've made it about personal salvation, personal forgiveness of sins, and, so, and, and going to heaven when we die. Now, that is a piece of it, and it's a very important piece. You don't want to get rid of that piece. But that's what we've equated the good news to be. The good news is that you, an individual, can be saved and brought into eternal life, escape from this earth, and go somewhere else. The message of Jesus is not that. It includes that, but it is much broader than that. It is not less than salvation for forgiveness of sins, but it is much more than that. It is the kingdom of God. Let me prove it to you, okay? Like a good, good, not a good, good father, a good, good pastor. I'm going to take you through Scripture, and I hope you brought your Bible. If you didn't, you'll just have to trust this is real. There is no um, holes, right? This is just like uh, David Blaine. Is that right? What's David Blaine's message? Nothing's real. real. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so the kingdom of God is the message of John the Baptist. Everyone knows John the Baptist is the guy who comes before Jesus and proclaims, prepares his way and says, there is one coming that is greater than I who I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. I'm not fit to tie. He's, He's greater than I. And he says this, Matthew 3, you can write these down and read them later if you want. Matthew 3, 2, let's start in 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He says, repent. That means change your life. Change your way. Reorient your life. 
For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Okay, that goes on. So what is the message of John the Baptist? It is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to, then we find Jesus in Mark. So John is pointing to Jesus. He's saying, hey, the kingdom of God is almost here. It's at hand. It's this close. And then what happens when Jesus shows up, Mark 1, 14 through 15, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. Now listen to this. Proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God. So Jesus is proclaiming the good news of God, which is what? Saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God and the gospel. The kingdom of God and the good is the good news. The good news is the kingdom of God. The announcement of the kingdom of God is the arrival of good news. This is the message of Jesus. He says, it has arrived. Now let me show you some more about Jesus here. Luke 4, um, 17-21. This is my favorite, probably, um, Jesus passage. Luke 4, 17. He walks into Galilee. No one's seen him in Luke yet. No one has seen him yet. This is his first, well, they've seen him. He's like walking around doing things. He's 30 years old. He comes into Cali, but now he's beginning his uh, ministry. And this is what he says. He walks into a synagogue, a place probably uh, not too dissimilar to this. He walks in. He picks up a scroll, which is uh, the prophet Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. Isaiah. He picks it up. It's Isaiah 61. And he says this. He starts reading it. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. To who? To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is Jubilee, which is this tremendous year uh, every, every seven years and every seven, seven years, every 49 years, there would be a complete reversal uh, land would be returned to the landowners that originally owned it. Everything would be redistributed and kind of just put to rights, put back. So this is what Jesus proclaims. He rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the person responsible for the scrolls. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." So there's one to come who will be anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the captives, liberty to the captives, the year of jubilee, the year of release. Now, there's one to come, and Jesus reads this passage. He says, this is me. It's me. I'm the guy. I'm the one anointed with the Spirit to do these things. And now what's interesting about Isaiah 61 is that this is a royal passage speaking of the king to come the Messiah, God's King, God's chosen one, to put the world to rights, to reverse the curse, to make all wrong things right. And Jesus says, I'm the guy. I'm the one that will bring about the rule of God, the reign of God, the kingdom of God, where all things are made well. All right, a little bit more. We're just going to chomp through these things, okay? Um, Luke 4.42 all right, just right down the, the way here. Uh, Jesus says to them, he, okay, I'll start in 42 for context because I'm a good 
Good guy. When it was day, he departed and went into, desolate, into a desolate place. This is Jesus. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. They want him to stay. But he says, what does he say? He says, I must preach the good news, Evangelion, the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. The message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. The message of Jesus is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. All right, let's go one, a few more here because I'm not done yet. Luke 8, 1. Let's see. Soon afterward, Jesus went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the... Finish it for me. Kingdom of God. Thank you. Okay, so this is Jesus' message. Luke 11, 2. One more example just to put the nail in the proverbial coffin here. 11, 2. What does, he, how does, what does he teach us to pray for? Jesus says, Father and Luke, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as now we're transitioning, what is Jesus' message? Now what are his disciples? What are the people following Jesus supposed to be praying for? What are they supposed to be longing for? What are they supposed to be asking God for? And it is for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And so then it's no surprise when in Luke 9, he says, he sends his disciples out. He says, don't take anything for your journey. He says, he sends them out. He's, they've been with him. And now he's going to send them out. Say, okay, you try it. And he says, in verse 2, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And they, in verse 6, they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So what is the disciples' message? It's Jesus' message. The disciples' message is Jesus' message, which is the good news of the kingdom of God. Then he sends out the 70. Um, let me just, one more example. He sends out the 70. Luke 10, 9. Uh, let's do Luke 10, 9 through 11. All right. He sends the 70 disciples out. And he says, Heal the sick in this city and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And then he says, But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom and for that, than for that town. So he's saying, When my disciples come out and they heal and they proclaim the gospel and they proclaim good news, he says the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of of God has come near you. All right, so that's Jesus. He's a big deal, right? Now, the early church continues this, and I just, I'll just i make this, I'm going to cut this a little shorter. Acts. If you go to Acts, this is the, the early followers of Jesus. Jesus has, well, let's start with Acts 1. Jesus is still around in Acts 1, okay? He's risen from the dead, and he hangs out for 40 days after he's risen from the dead. What do you think Jesus is talking about, not to make it too easy of a question, what do you think Jesus is talking about for 40 days after he rises from the dead to his disciples? Have you ever noticed this? 
He's not talking about how cool it was to be dead and get risen from the, you know, like he's not talking about, he's not talking about um, the NBA playoffs necessarily. What is he talking about? He says, in verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. For 40 days after Jesus rises from the dead, what is he talking about with people? He's talking about the kingdom of God. Verse 3, chapter 1. Now, Acts begins with the kingdom of God. This is the message that Jesus um, wants to... This is the la- his last words, man, before he goes up, before he's with the Father, before he sits on his heavenly throne. And he says, you guys are going to carry this message forward. What's the message? You need to know everything about this that you can. What is the most important thing you need to know? It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the reign of God. And then... You getting this? So, go. That's the first part. Now, I can take you through if you want to write it down. Peter in in chapter two, verses twenty nine through twenty six. What's he proclaim? The kingdom and the reign of of Jesus. Philip um, in chapter eight, verse twelve. What's he preaching and proclaiming? It's the kingdom of God. Paul. Let's go to Paul now. So, Paul in verse twenty, um, chapter twenty. And this is second to last one. Paul, chapter 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life as any value. Now, think back to the man who finds the treasure in the field. Paul had found the unsurpassing worth of the kingdom of God and he had spent his life on it. He cashed out and he bought in to the kingdom of God. He says... I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So again, you see that connection between gospel and kingdom. Gospel of the kingdom of God. Um. He says, I did not shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God to you. Now, what happened at the first part of Acts? Jesus speaks about the kingdom for 40 days. All throughout the, what Paul teaches uh, the Ephesians, he, for three months he talks about the kingdom of God. Then, Acts 28, the last part of Acts. If you want to know what's important about a book, pay attention for how it begins and how it ends. Because that's what the author wants you to remember, right? how it begins and how it ends. Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God for 40 days to the disciples. What's Paul doing? He's in jail. He's at Rome. Prisoners are coming in and out. He says, um, let's see here. Verse 23, when they appointed a day for him, that's for his trial, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers from morning till evening He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. So in his last days, Paul is talking about the kingdom of God. And then Acts, the very last verses, verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming, the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. Okay, 
So I know I nailed that pretty uh, consistently, right? What's the message of Jesus? What's the message of the New Testament? What's the message of the apostles and disciples in the early church? It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, we don't even know what the kingdom of God is yet. I haven't said it yet, right? We don't know. You might have a guess. But I want to show you this um, video to give you a little taste. Uh, and we'll, we'll delve into what is this kingdom of God. If it is of such supreme value, if it is of, of su- supreme worth, it is worth selling out and buying into, what is this? I want you to watch this. Let's see if I can get this to work. Come on, buddy. There's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, the great kingdom of Israel. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile. But a few remain in the city. And there is left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls. And far out on the hills we see a messenger, and he's running towards the city. He's running, he's shouting, good news! And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king. And that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now, in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. So when Christians say, do you believe the gospel, they mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus' teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, powerful, successful kingdom that needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer. He comes to Jesus, begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had. That not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. 
And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people, forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decided to have him come. And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right. But for Jesus, this is what had to happen. Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all of humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto the throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself, and that he's conquered it with his life and with his death. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside-down kingdom. And to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love. So a little taste of what is to come that... The message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. But what ends up happening is that the kingdom of God is revealed in Jesus. That the king is Jesus. So he is both, the, he is the bearer of the message and the message himself. And allegiance to Jesus becomes allegiance to God and to follow in the way of Jesus becomes to follow in the way of the kingdom. And he is the good news. And so, if the message of Jesus is the good news, it is the kingdom of God. If the message of the early church is the kingdom of, of God, then the message of us is the kingdom of God. What we are to proclaim is the kingdom of God. What we are to, our messaging, our brand our passion that reveals our values is the kingdom of God. That's what we're about. And that's why we're talking about this. And that's why we do what we do and why we live into, we want to follow our king, Jesus. So that's what we'll talk about next week. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, all but He's, before he says that, he says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, make disciples of all nations. He is the king. And he's the good king. And he's the king, as we saw, who did not conquer with violence and power, but through submission, service, and self-sacrificial love. It's upside down. And he's the one who brings healing to all of our pain to all of our hurt. He's the one and the only one who will make all wrong things right. And He's chosen to invite us into this, into this kingdom. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you are the good king. And that your kingdom is worth more than anything we could ever spend our lives on. That it's worth selling everything and buying fully in to your way and to your word and to your, to your rule. To come underneath your reign. You're a good king. You're a good ruler. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see, God, that you are the one to serve. You are the one to follow. You are the one that brings healing to our deepest hurts. I pray that our message would be your message, that we would be people, citizens of your kingdom, proclaiming a message of good news, and that our feet would be beautiful because we proclaim a beautiful message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we have, because of the wonderful idea of Cheryl,